This is a podcast of the Church of Indian Lake. Well, a little over seven years ago, I was leading a church plant in Gallatin, and the building you sit in right now was a church called the Hope Center, and they had been without a pastor for quite some time. And seven years ago, we merged those two churches together, and we became the church at Indian Lake. Prior to me taking that position and bringing our church plant team here, Dr. Charles Galden was the interim pastor. Dr. Galden had pastored three very successful churches in South Carolina, one really large mega church, and he at that time was an Old Testament scholar at Southeastern University, a professor there, and that's what he still is. After the church merge, we became very close friends. He played a key role, uh, an irreplaceable role in causing that merge to happen. Then we developed a friendship, and I sat under his tutelage when I got my master's degree from Southeastern in Lakeland, Florida. And now that I'm pursuing my doctorate at Union, he's a, uh, a friend, a consultant, a mentor in uh, academic matters. Plus, we talk about pastoral matters, and he always gives me great advice at crucial times. And on top of that, we just laugh a lot. We, uh, I guess we're a couple of nerds that hang out that laugh about stuff, get each other's sense of humor. So we just have a really special friendship Charles loves this church. It's been a, a lot of years since he's been here to minister to us, but you're gonna be blessed by him teaching God's word to you today. Would you please welcome Dr. Charles Golden? Thank you. Well, I have been blessed uh, to meet this marvelous congregation. I've realized most of you have never met me, and I'm privileged to meet you for the very first time. And what a, what a solid group of people, and it speaks well of your leadership and your pastor and his wife. I'm from the Carolinas, and we have an expression that the chips don't fall far from the stump. And that's just a, another way of saying, as the leader goes, goes so everything else goes so. Uh, Aaron and his wife, Beth, have done a great job, and let me say this about Aaron. He's become a very close friend. He's like a younger brother to me. And I, I promise you, I learn more from him than he learns from me. So it's just a real joy. Iron sharpens iron, doesn't it? And it's good to, to have close friends. So it's a joy to be here with you. And we bring you greetings from Southeastern University. The president, uh, Dr. Engel, uh, sent his greetings to all of you. I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Psalm 46, Psalm 46, and we're going to read the text and see what the Lord has in store for us. I've titled this message, Therefore, Therefore, and we use the word therefore in English very casually and easily and subconsciously. We don't ever try to break the word down. And it's just very natural. For instance, if you're the mother of the house, the main lady of the house, she's gone for several days, maybe to a conference or work related, and she comes home to a messy home and the children's beds are not made, uh, the main bed is not made, dishes are in the a sink and, and the house is a wreck, and the husband of the house and the father and the children are watching cartoons, there's going to be a therefore come out of that woman's mouth. I can tell you that right now. How many of you know the Bible says if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody going to be happy? That's in the Bible. How many of you know that's in the Bible? 
It's sort of like gravity. You can't see gravity, but you know it's there. It's in the Bible somewhere, right? And so I'm, I'm married to a beautiful Latin woman. Uh, God blessed me with her. Little Vanessa's about five foot tall. She teaches second graders. They won't let her teach a higher grade because she, they would be taller than her. But I guarantee you she can stand toe-to-toe with anything. Someone asked uh, her, does she speak Spanish when she's mad at me? And she says, no. When I speak to Charles and I'm mad, I want him to understand what I'm saying. So, so do we have any Latin folks in the church? Raise your hand if you, you know Spanish. or Oh, let's give them all a big hand. Uh, welcome. Welcome. <clears throat> the great people make great, great wife too. Psalm 46. God is our refuge and our strength. He's a very present help in trouble. Therefore... Everybody say, therefore, Therefore. we will not fear. Even though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea and though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, Selah, there is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. The nations raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord who has made desolations in the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The the God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Can you say amen to the reading of the word? I say this often, and I mean it not as a trite statement, but in the depths of my soul. How many of you know that God could do more for you as an individual, his presence, in five minutes than I could do for you in five years? He really can. And so it's very important to me that as we pray that that you ask the Spirit to tailor-make this just for you, not for the person to your left or right, even though you may care deeply for them, but right just for you. How many of you know that we live in the, we preach often in the sweet by and by, but we need something in the nasty now and now. And so I want you to just uh, close your eyes. And if if it's your custom, just gently lift your hands to the Lord like you're going to receive from him today. And Father, I step back. Your word says that you resist the proud but you give grace to the humble. So, Father, we humble ourselves under your mighty hand. May you speak to every man that is here, every woman, an individual, tailor-made word that will remain with them the days of their life. And everyone said, Amen. Martin Luther loved this psalm. Martin Luther became the head of what we today call the Lutheran Church. He was a Catholic priest and uh, also the head of the Lutheran Church later. 
How many of you are either Catholic background or you are Lutheran background? Let me see a show of hands. Well, you ought to be just very thankful for your heritage. It's a marvelous, marvelous heritage. And this was one of his, his favorite psalm of all. And he had an associate named Philip, and he was always saying, Philip, let's sing this psalm, particularly when they were going through a difficult time. And in time, Martin Luther wrote the great hymn of the church based on this psalm, A Mighty Fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. How many of you have ever heard of that hymn? It's, it's, it's a marvelous hymn. And so the rabbis tell us that when the Psalms were arranged in their final arrangement that we have, they often put them uh, with something adjacent to them that was very similar. And so Psalm 45 and Psalm 46 have a connection. Psalm 45 is about the Messiah and about him coming and being glorified and so forth. In many ways, it was fulfilled on the first Palm Sunday and on the death and resurrection of the Messiah. But Psalm 46 is about the mess that God's people find themselves in sometimes. And it's often a need in all of us, how do I get the Messiah right in the middle of my mess? And so in Psalm 45, the word therefore is used three times. In the third verse, it says, therefore, the, the Lord has blessed him, meaning the Messiah. I think verse 7, it says, therefore, the Lord has anointed him. And the word Christ means anointed. That's why we call him Jesus, the anointed, Jesus, the Christ. And then finally, in verse 17, it says, therefore, the nations will praise him. And today... From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, on every continent, on every nation, tribe, nation, and people, they have blessed the name of the Lord. So much of this has been fulfilled in our time. But then Psalm 46 was one of the most difficult times in Israel's history. They were almost exterminated by the Assyrians under a gentleman by the name of Sennacherib. This took place in 701, and the Assyrians were awful. They flayed people alive. They invented that process. Uh, I, I have a top 10 list of ways I don't want to die. Just keep it in my prayer journal, pull it out once in a while, remind God. Number one, I don't want to be eaten by anything. I don't want to be eaten by a shark, fire ants, dogs, a mad Latino wife, Jeffrey Dahmer's relatives, none of that. How many of you don't want to be eaten by anything, right? But one of the top ways I don't want to die, I don't want to be flayed alive. I'm just telling you, just shoot me, but don't flay me alive. They flay people alive. They didn't pay them. Uh, Sennacherib uh, went to a city when he was going to conquer a nation. He'd, the first city, he was brutal. He'd take all the males out, chop their heads off load them up in a wagon, take them to the next city, and pile them up outside the gate. Say, if you don't surrender, we're going to do the same thing to you. Psychological warfare, and it worked. He was so psychological disturbed, he had this carved, what he did to Israel and, and Hezekiah on the walls of his palace. 80 feet of it wraps around, just psycho-sick. And this occurred in 7, 701 BC. And this is a real history. And so this psalm is based on this. And it's, it's very interesting history. It's confirmed by the Egyptians and the Greeks and the Babylonians. The Bible just says the angel of the Lord struck his army. It doesn't give us any 
any answers how God did it, but the Egyptian, Greek, and Babylonian records says God calls mice to come into the camp, and that plague struck his army and wiped out his army. In fact, the Pharaoh of that day had a statue of himself made with a little mouse carved and placed in his hand, and he gave God the honor that God calls mice to come into the camp. All we know with Sennacherib is he was bragging, bragging, bragging. He quits bragging. And so it's a very, very interesting part of history. Now, I want to give you three therefores for our time that we live in. All of that history has its place. It's very, very interesting. But sometimes you need something between this Sunday and the next Sunday. And here's the first one. Therefore, I will not fear, for I have a refuge. The Bible says in Psalm 46, verse 2, Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. And he's describing an earthquake. We do know that an earthquake occurred in the days of Uzziah so massively that it registered on the Richter scale. Uh, we, we estimate 7.9 to 8.2. That's, that's the equivalent of what struck the island of Haiti and the, struck the nation of Chile in recent years. How many of you have ever been involved in an earthquake? Raise your hand. If you've been in a major one, you cannot forget it. I was in Russia in 1990. May 1990, I was in the Ukraine, and I was in a 14-story building. I was on the 12th floor. I was sound asleep. The famous Romanian earthquake struck, struck the 30th and struck the 31st. I can't remember which day, but I was sound asleep, and it threw me out onto the floor, sprawled out. And instantly that word came to me, therefore I will not fear, though the mountains be cast into the sea and the earth be removed. It was shaken. And in the moment when you're going through your toughest, God wants to bring his word to you to sustain you in that time period. The earthquake that struck Israel occurred in the days of the prophet Amos. In fact, Amos says the lion has roared who cannot but prophesy in his day. And so when the, when the scripture says, though the earth be removed, it's an interesting way of expression. We, we lose it sometimes in English. It's the idea of like you're passing a ball between one hand and the other, and it bobbles a bit in the, in the crossover. And that's the idea that sometimes life is that way. How many of you have ever been in a situation where you got backed into a corner, you couldn't go any further back, you knew that you couldn't go forward. If you went to the left, you were pinned in. If you went to your right, you're pinned in. Whatever you did was wrong. Have you ever been in a situation like that? And it's difficult in those times what to do and how to do it. Earthquakes, he may not be referring to a literal one, but using it as an image. It's interesting that I saw something. I guess I, my mind had not caught this. But in Matthew 27, I was aware that there was an earthquake the day Jesus died. Most people know that. When Jesus died, the Bible says the, the, the sky darkened at that time. There was a massive earthquake. 
and the veil in the temple from the top to the bottom was rent in two. How many of you were aware that that occurred in the Bible and, and recurred in history? In fact, there are secular, secular historians of that day refer to it. But somehow, in my thinking, I had missed chapter 28 of Matthew, that on the day of his resurrection, there was also an earthquake. The earth shook. Somehow I had missed that. Kind of reminds me when I was, uh, had a friend of mine who was a Methodist pastor, and on uh, Easter Sunday, they released 300 butterflies. The people had trumpets and cymbals, and they banged the cymbals, and some blew the trumpets, and then they all shouted as Methodist people, he is not dead, he is risen. Now, even for our church here, this would be quite an amazing Sunday if we did that, wouldn't it? But for a Methodist church, that's quite unusual. So a lady who was elderly met Pastor Mike in the vestibule, and she said, Pastor Mike, this was South Carolina, Pastor Mike, if Jesus Christ saw what was going on in this church, he'd turn over in his grave. <laughs> Somehow, she had missed something. And somehow, I had missed something. Yes, there was an earthquake the day he died, but there was an earthquake the day he was risen. And when life shakes you up, there should be a divine therefore that comes to you. I will not fear, for I have a refuge. Here's the second one. Therefore, I will not faint, for I have a, ref a river. This is verse 4 through 7. And here is the allusion to Sennacherib coming and all of that history. It's really marvelous history. I'll just tell you one time I was, when uh, Mel Gibson was making the film, The Passion of the Christ, they brought me over. He, he was in Orlando. And they said, would you look at the film right before it goes out? I only had a couple of weeks. And I said, sure. So I, I looked at it, and they didn't think I'd find anything. And I said, well, let, let's just start with the first slide. You have the wrong date on there. And they said, no, we don't. We have everybody looking. I said, well, everybody's wrong. You got, you're off by two centuries. Uh, the passage, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. That was written during this same time period by Isaiah. You got it 500 B.C. at 700 B.C. And, then that's, and he said, well, everybody else said it, it's right. I said, well, that's the equivalent. If I told you George Washington fought in the Vietnam War, it wouldn't matter if everybody told you that was right. You would know that was wrong. And so he went and checked, and he came back, and he said, man, you're right on that. I said, yeah. And so he got Mel Gibson. That's the first time I met Mel. He's not really that tall. Did y'all know that? But anyway, he thanked me, and he said, we'll change that. And he didn't think anything else. And he said, do you have anything else? He had one more. And it was a major thing, and they changed it. And it, it really would have gotten in trouble uh, with the Jewish people. And so he changed it and he told Diane Sawyer about it all. It's kind of an interesting thing. But all of that is that history right here where Isaiah is alive. Sennacherib's alive. Hezekiah is alive. And this psalm, we believe, is based from that time period. It's a nat natural disaster imagery and it's moved now to a national disaster. And it, listen, if they had fallen, there would not be a Jewish nation to this day. They would have exterminated them and moved them on. And so he says here, he says, there is a river who makes glad the city of God. 
And what Hezekiah did, he realized that subterranean underneath Jerusalem was a river. And so he would have to provide water because Jerusalem was the last city. All the rest of the country had fallen. And so he dug a channel through the granite. Took him many, many weeks and months to do it. They carved it 533 meters. That's over 1,500 feet of solid granite. It's still there today. And they had, they had rip, a river of water that sustained them during the worst time of that nation's history. Now, it's a powerful thing that he began to pray, and they prayed to the Lord of hosts. That's what his name is right here, the Lord of hosts. And the Lord of hosts is that God has a host of angels. When the prophet Elijah had a servant, his servant was rattled because he could see the army that was coming against him. And Elisha prayed for him that God would open his eyes and the Lord opened his eyes to see into the spirit realm. And he said, oh my goodness, there are more that are for us than those that are against us. If God could pull back the spiritual curtain today, we would see that there are more for us than those that are against us. And if God, the Lord of hosts, is for us, then who can be against us? Can you say amen? And so it was a divine word. And the psalm says that just at the break of dawn, God delivered us. And the scripture tells them that when the angel of the Lord struck them during the night, the next morning, the army, most of them had perished during the night. Our God's a powerful God. Now, all of that's interesting, but let me show you how Jesus applies it. In the New Testament, they had the Feast of Tabernacles, and it lasted eight days. And what they did was the priest would go down to this river, that stream where Hezekiah had cut, and they would take a pitcher of water. They'd go up to the temple. They had the children there. They would explain to the children portions of their history when they wandered in the desert and didn't have enough water, and God provided. And they every day they would do that. Until one of the days, the seventh day, they would tell the story of Hezekiah. And this whole story here in Psalm 46, they would read that and so forth. And they explained how God kept them alive as a Jewish people. But hear this, on the eighth day, they didn't do that with the water. In fact, on the eighth day, most of the people intentionally would not drink water the eighth day. Why? so that they would be physically thirsty. It was a type of fast. They could, but they would not drink water that day to remember that when they were thirsty, God provided for them. Okay, are you with me now? You got your seatbelts buckled? Punch the person next to you and say, this is going to be good right here, what Jesus says, all right? So on John chapter 7, verse 37, on the eighth day, listen to what our Lord said. On the last day of the feast, everybody say the last day. That's the day they're not drinking water. The great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow what? rivers of living water. Now this Jesus said about the Holy Spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive. 
For as yet, the Holy Spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. When you are facing the most difficult times of your life, the presence of the Holy Spirit is there for you. He's compared to a river that will give you an endless supply of water during your deepest and darkest moments. You may live, feel like you live next door to hell and your mother is the devil sometimes. But if you feel that way, remember this. God does not want you to faint because you have a river and that river is not a something, it's a someone, the Holy Spirit. And here's the last one. Therefore, I will not fret for I have a revelation. How many of you are like me that you know what it is to worry sometimes, to be anxious sometimes? You know we should not worry. Worry is like a rocking chair. You have a lot of motion, but you never go anywhere. Have you noticed that? But yet we still worry. How many of you are like me? You do that sometimes. My dad was the only person I think I never saw worry a day of my life. It was amazing. My mother, on the other hand, was a world champion. She was a gold medal champion in the Olympics of worrying. She was just a classic example of it. So one day I asked my dad, I said, Dad, what's your secret? How do you, have you overcome? And I thought he'd give me some scripture or something. He said, no. He said, son, I don't worry because your mother does it for me. <laughs> and so I told my mom, she laughed. She said, yeah, that's my gift to the body of Christ. <laughs> And so I said, Mother, would you worry for me when I'm tempted to worry? Can I just call you and you pray? Be my Yeah, I love it. I love doing it. And so my mother became my prayer partner. And until the day she died, she, uh, I would call her if something was bothering me, and she'd pray. But this is what I did know about my mother. She only worried on the top end till she got to her prayer closet. Once she turned it over to the Lord, she was at peace. And it's a powerful thing when we cast our cares upon the Lord, for he cares for us. In a sense, that's what the psalm tells us in uh, verse 11. Here's the last therefore. Therefore, I will not fret, for I have a revelation. What is the revelation? To be still and know that I am God. It's to be still and know that I am God. It is to be still and calm and know that I am God. And here's the revelation, that the earth does shake, that the nations do shake, but the Lord our God never shakes. He is calm and consistent and there for us at all times. Someone said it this way, take leave on your own thoughts on other matters and contemplate and know that I am your God. That's the meaning. In fact, literally, it means to release your grip on something, to let go. As my dad said, Mom did the worry for him. As I said, Mom, would you do the worrying for me? As my mother got in her prayer closet, Father, here it is. This is what I'm worried about. And, and help my son. It's that kind of idea. Yes, there are times we should put our hand to the plow and not look back, and we should do our part. We need to have some get up and go about us, shouldn't we? And you know, a lot of people, unfortunately, their get up and go got up and went. But uh, there are times when you are backed in the corner, you don't know what you should do. 
It is an impossible situation financially or in your marriage or in your children's life or on the workplace. But in that moment, God is saying to you, don't you give up and don't you back up. You stand and see that your God is still with you. Again, you say amen. Excuse me. Excuse me. Coffee, I think. You take a break at work, too. (laughs) Thank you. In those moments, God will do for you what you cannot do for yourself. Can you say amen? To those of you who are Lutheran, I'm going to do my best now to preach what Martin Luther said here a sentence or two. He said, we sing this psalm to the praise of our God because our God is with us and powerfully and miraculously preserves and defends his church and his word against all spirits, against the gates of hell, against the implacable hatred of the devil, and against all the assaults of the world, the flesh, and the sin. That has sustained the church for the last 500 years. And to those of you who are Methodists, I would like to pull something from John Wesley on his deathbed. John Wesley lived into his elderly years. He was in his upper 80s. He remained healthy all of his life. His mind stayed with him right up to his death. He was subconscious. He came to, these are some of the last words he said, He said, the best of all is God is with us. Then he lay back down. And then they said he raised both his hands in praise to God. And he said this, the best of all is that our God is with us. And from this moment until the day that you face life's last moment for you, the most powerful thought in the earth is that if God before you, Who can be against you? He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Whatever you're facing now or you shall ever face, God will be with you. Can you say amen? Amen. Yes, there was an earthquake on Friday. Yes, there was darkness that day. Yes, the veil in the temple tore. Yes, there was despair. Yes, there was shame among the disciples, fear, But I'm happy to say there was a second earthquake three days later. It was not in the darkness of hope, but it was in the bright morning of a new venture. Where there once was unforgiveness, now there was forgiveness. And Jesus Christ is no longer dead. He holds the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And he says to John on the Isle of Patmos, therefore do not be afraid. 366 times in the Bible, it tells us as his people, do not be afraid. That's one for every day of the year, 365. Next year in February will be leap year. And for those of you who will be tempted to worry on February the 29th, he's got that 366 one designed just for you. And it's a resounding fear not. Fear not, for I am with you. In Psalm 45 is the Messiah. In Psalm 46 is the mess 
that God's people found themselves in. In verse 3 of Psalm 45, the Bible says, therefore God has anointed him, or blessed him, I should say. In Psalm 46, we have a therefore, therefore we will not fear, for he is our refuge. In Psalm 45, verse 7, it says, therefore God has anointed the Messiah. And it says in Psalm 46, therefore there's a river that we do not have to faint Listen, his name is Jesus Christ. You know what we are called? Christians. Anointed ones is the name that we should be called by because God expects us not to go in on our own power, but to step back and let him step forward and watch what the Spirit can do in our life. And finally is this. The last verse of Psalm 47 says that we should praise him, that all, therefore all the nations will praise him. And I'm happy to say that we can praise him because we serve a powerful God. Can you say amen? He is the beginning. He is the end. And all that is in between says to us that he's alive and he is for us. Can you say amen? I want you to just stand to your feet for a moment. And we're going to, I'm going to pray for you just right where you're at. And then a pastor is going to serve the Lord's Supper for those of you who desire I know that some of you will need to slip out. First of all, hasn't it been good to have been in the house of the Lord today? I want to ask you to do something. Uh, it may not be your tradition, but there are times that we should be quiet in the house of the Lord and meditative. But there, there are days that the butterflies should be released, the trumpets should blow, the cymbals should clang, and the shout should arise from God's people. He is not dead. He is risen. Because the Messiah, through the power of the Spirit, is here to work on your behalf. Can you take both your hands and give God a clap offering and a praise offering? And we give Him praise. Therefore, we will praise Him, Lord, and bless your name. I want to just pray for you right, right where you are. And I want you just to, it takes a little... Thank you for listening to the podcast of The Church of Indian Lake. 